Welcome to an encouraging word from Pastor Elliot Warren from Cross Culture Church in Houston, Texas. Happy New Year's, everybody. That's right. Happy New Year's. Today, well, it's not yet. It's going to be at sundown, right? Today is uh, the New Year's Day in the, if we want to call it the biblical calendar, the, the Jewish calendar. Today's the New Year's Day. And uh, I won't get into this too deep about the difference in the calendars, but they actually have two New Years. Um, this is a civil year. Uh, so it, it begins at sundown. To, so today is, uh, to, again, the, the New Year celebration at, at um, sundown today becomes Tishri 1. First of Tishri, right? So it's the first day of Tishri, which is um, New Year's Day. Tishri, by the way, just some of the stuff we're not familiar with because we don't talk about it very much in, in the church world, but Tishri is the first month of the civil year, and it's also the month that has the most holy days in it. So um, a lot of people who, who are prayer warriors and they spend their lives in prayer, uh, a lot of prophetically gifted kind of people feel like they receive more inspiration in this month than any other month. That They feel, you know, it's almost like God speaks to them about the year to come. Perhaps more than in January, they're seeking the Lord for, God, what are you going to be doing this coming year? But anyway, um, it's not only the new year, though. It's, it's a few other things. It's really interesting. Today's also, well, not yet, but it'll be tonight, uh, beginning at sundown, a, a feast, a, a, a biblical feast. There were a few biblical feasts God had that said, and honor these, and one of them is the Feast of Trumpets. So that begins tonight. Now, this is so interesting to me. Uh, we think of feasts as, hey, we're going to go eat a lot, right? That's what you, We're going to go feast. But when the Bible uses that word, it's talking about to commemorate something or to remember something. So tonight, uh, there's a feast of trumpets. And we're not remembering trumpets, but we're, we're, the trumpets is what is, is the big part of the, of the remembrance. And what the trumpets are doing, they're being blown that day to remind you of something. So this is so interesting. I wish you could just picture yourself, you know, pretend like you're an Israelite, uh, you know, a few thousand years ago, and you hear these trumpets blasting. You, you might hear them blasting throughout where, where you're living. And it's a, it's a call, it's a solemn call to remind you that the day of atonement is coming up. It's reminding you that in 10 days, the Day of Atonement is going to be here. And, um, and so, so what happens on the Day of Atonement? Well, the way, well that's, what, that's when the priest goes in and he makes atonement for himself and his family. And then what he does is he makes atonement for all the people, for their sins, right? That happens once a year. And the Jews also believed that um, at that time, there was also something personal that happens, almost as if it's a time for God to look down and go, you need some correction, right? Uh, and so they believed that at that day, things would be set in course for your, for your next year. And so some, of, some people will believe that, or believed that um, what they needed to do was prepare for that. So anyway, the trumpets sounded on Tishri 1, beginning at sundown today is when that happens, was when that date happens. And they're reminding you the Day of Atonement is coming. And so then what do you have? 10 days that are called the Days of All. And what are they doing those 10 days from the, from the trumpets reminding you it's coming. It's reminding you that um, you need to prepare for that day. So what are people doing for 10 days? They are consecrating themselves. They're examining themselves. They are seeing, are they really serving the Lord? They've got in mind, God's going to look at them that day. You see what I mean? <laughs> when In that day of atonement, God's going to look in, in their mind and, and it's a special day 
and they want to make sure, God, I want to make sure there's, there's nothing wrong with me. I want to make sure my heart's right with you. Now, we don't observe that day anymore, but it doesn't mean there's not a lot of things that we can't learn from it, right? And what we do, and I, and I believe that this, it's a wonderful thing to look toward a coming judgment, and we're preparing our heart for that. But not only that, I think it's neat that they had a special day when they go, you know what? God's going to look down on us, and we want to make sure our hearts are ready. And so they have a time when they're consecrating their lives to God. Now, I want you just to think about this. If you, in your mind, thought that there was going to be a special day 10 days from now, when God's going to come and he's going to look at the condition of your heart and he's going to either go, you know what? You really need chastening this year. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Or he goes, man, you've really been seeking me. You've really, what, you've really prepared your heart. You put me first. I'm really going to honor you. You see, I just think it's an interesting way of looking at it because what would that make us do? I mean, really, if you thought Jesus was going to step into your room on that day or something, would you not be going, oh, wow, you'd be making sure your heart's right. You see what I'm saying? So there's something good about sort of preparing and recognizing there are these seasons when God almost steps in because the Bible says God chastens. Who does he chasten? All of us. And when does he chasten? When we need it, right? When we go off course, if we're the Lord's. We may stay off course for a while, but God will step in and chasten us, right? So anyway, I feel like that's a, that's a good thing. And it's a good thing. And I, if, if you have it in your heart, I think this would be a great season to do that, to go, you know what? I'm going to take these 10 days and just consecrate myself to the Lord, dedicate myself to God afresh, take extra time just to make sure my priorities are right, my mind is right, that I'm not living fleshy things. Are there things that need to be cut off? I'm going to be dedicating to myself to the Lord. I'm going to give a special season, a special time to doing that and see what God will do in me. You see, I, I just think those, those times and seasons are very important, right? So it's a good thing to do, right? But in addition, you know, okay, so today is Happy New Year's Day, right? Today is Feast of Trumpets. But today, I'll just mention this for a few moments. It's also one other thing that only happens one day every seven years. It's so interesting that the day happens to be that day. And that's today before sundown. It started last night at sundown, all right? So every year, excuse me, every seven years, there was a year of rest. It's called a Shemitah year, right? And so that day of, that year of rest, they weren't supposed to plant or harvest. They were letting the ground rest. And God's going to bless them in the six years enough to take care of seven. So they're going to be extraordinarily blessed those next six years if they're willing to give up that one year and, and let it rest, right? And if they let it rest, they get the blessing of the Lord. Well, by the last day of that year, which is today, this is a Shemitah year. One, one year out of every seven is that this year. That's this year. And at the end of that year, it's so interesting. On the last day, all the debts are canceled. Okay, so it was a reset in Israel, right? And this is, it's just so interesting. So, you know, if you're, if you're giving a loan and it's at the beginning of this, you can give a loan for seven years. But if it's going into two years, you're only going to give a loan for five years because when seven years comes, um, you know, which is going to only get, you see what I'm saying? At that particular time, every seven years, it's going to happen, right? That's today. That's today. That's just, that's just so interesting to me. Now, some people will ask, do the feasts have any, any um, effect today? I, we don't observe them, meaning to walk them out and go, and we have to go to the feast days and things like that. We don't do that, but I do believe God honors these feasts in some ways. I mean, Jesus was crucified on a feast day, on Passover. What are the odds of that? Jesus was resurrected on the first fruits feast. What are the odds of that? And even after the resurrection, after the crucifixion, is this stuff still in place? Well, guess what? On the day of Pentecost, a feast day, the Holy Spirit was poured out. 
So I believe God still honors these days. Well, what about this day? This is so interesting to me. I'm not going to get into the details of this, but many people believe that there are those seasons where today, this one day out of the seven, end up marking this time of reset when God cleanses things and changes things. And if you want to even say judges, financial systems and things like that. And um, it's such an interesting thing. I, I, um, I was studying this recently from this Messianic Jewish minister. He's Jewish. He got saved when he was young. And he's, he sort of knows a whole lot about the Jewish stuff and a whole lot about Christianity as well because he's a preacher as well. But um, it's just so interesting. Out of the, the five greatest resets financially in America, like, like crashes and whatnot, Every single one of them is correlated to this Shemitah day that only happens once every seven years. The lowest correlation is like 97%. It's pretty phenomenal. <laughs> so I think that's just interesting. And you know, you don't have to worry about anything because God does what he does to cleanse, to end up blessing, right? And so we just need to all make sure our finances are under God's covering, that we're doing things according to God's way, and God always takes care of us and provides for us. Amen? But isn't that stuff interesting? You know, I remember thinking, no, that stuff has no importance whatsoever. When you look at other stuff, you go, oh, well, maybe it does some. At least we need to pay attention and see if God still operates in any way on, his, on, on that calendar, right? You know, people say um, the, at the last trump, but maybe that's even talking about you know, a, a feast day when, when the return might be here. We don't know. Anyway, um, that's, I thought that was interesting. And I know you don't, we don't talk about that a whole lot, but it's interesting stuff. And it really is the kind of stuff we, we should learn about and, and be a little knowledgeable about. Uh, so I, I wanted to bring that up. Now, y'all know we've been talking about the Holy Spirit, right? We've been talking about the need for the power of the Holy Spirit. How is this world going to get changed? It's going to be changed because of the power of God through the Holy Spirit. Do you think we can come up with good ideas to change the world? You might come up with some good ideas, but those ideas in and of themselves will not change the world. The Jewish people had the truth. They had the scriptures. They did not change the world at all. I mean, they would, they would go a long ways and some place every once in a while, they, there would be converts that would come to God, right? But after the Holy Spirit after the resurrection and the Holy Spirit was poured out, then this gospel began to go everywhere. And what did you have? Men that didn't care about their lives anymore. They were willing to put it all on the line. So you had absolute dedication. And it takes absolute dedication to have the full measure of the Holy Spirit in your life. You cannot live a worldly life and expect to have the power of God working in you. So what would you rather have? The goods of this world? The things of this world? Or would you rather have the power of God and make a difference with your life where you're going to be able to penetrate this darkness with the power of God that's upon you. You see what I'm saying? I love to hear these stories of people that are willing to become Marines or, or whatever, and the reason is they want to serve a greater purpose. You know, they're willing to lay down their lives for other people, and they want to do that self, selfish, uh, selflessly. <laughs> I almost said selfishly. Um, so they lay down their lives, and they do that. But God's, you know, don't you see something so honorable in somebody willing to live their life like that? And God's called all, us, all of us to do that. Christ laid down his life for us. Should we not lay down our lives for him? Should we not live our lives also for others that they might have that life? Man, I, I can't remember. Oh, no, I won't, I'll mess up these words. But I was thinking about the song of the Republic, the battle hymn of the Republic. He died for us. You know, we should be willing to, to lay down our lives for others that they might be free, right? So I just want to encourage you at the beginning of what I'm going to share today is be willing to lay down your life for something bigger. If all you want to, to have the gospel for is so that you could believe some promises that you're going to be blessed with. I mean, I, I would believe God for blessings. There's nothing wrong with believing for blessings. But if all you're believing God for is, oh, I just want more blessing. I just want more of this. That's so small. That's such a, that's such a, just a, if, if you don't have something else, that's just you centered. God wants to give you something and a dream bigger than you where you want to serve his purpose in the world. Even if it's a small part of it, it doesn't matter. Every part's important. 
But when you lay your life down before God, God is like calling you out on the water. You know, we like to stay in our boats. We like to stay where it's safe. Um, and there's few of us that see Jesus out there somewhere and are willing to say, if you call me out, I'll come. If you call me to go somewhere, I'll step out in the middle of the storm and I'll go to where you are. You see, and God is like, who will go for me? Who will, can I send? Who is willing to hear? Who is willing to lay down their lives? And there are those that will rise up and say, I'll go, God, I'll go. And you know what? It's not a mission of glory. In the past season, there was too many that were being, I would say, in a situation where there's so much glory for man in the church. Now, I'm not saying God doesn't do things in such a way where you can go, oh, wow, God's with that man. The Bible said even among the apostles, when God started moving, they started going, oh, we don't even know if we want to hang around them because every time we're around them, God moves. God, I mean, just, I mean it almost is scary, right? But there's a difference between people that are dedicated, willing to lay down their lives, willing to be shamed, willing to go through difficulties financially if need be, to be able to be committed to God and to do what God wants them to do. And these apostles were. And that's why they had the power of God on them. Amen? So with all the blessings we want to believe God for, praise God for that. With all the increase, praise God for that. I believe in those things. I believe this in the Word of God that God will provide for us, take care of us, and even bless us if we do what God says. Bless us abundantly. Open up the windows of heaven. Amen? He'll do that. But I just want to say, there's a higher call than that on your life. That alone is not going to fulfill you. There's a higher call. And it requires us to all lay down our pursuing of what we want when we haven't prioritized God and what He wants first. Amen? And I've mentioned this before, but what's the first phrase in the Lord's Prayer? We've been taught how to pray. Do, is the first thing we're supposed to bring to God my needs? Not necessarily. Our Father who's in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come. That's the first thing that ought to be in our minds and our prayers and everything we do. God's kingdom come, amen? God's kingdom come. God's kingdom come in America. God's kingdom come in Houston. God's kingdom come in our church. God's kingdom come in our lives, in our homes, in our families. God's kingdom, God's will be done. Amen. And as we do that, as we line up with God, there is more of God that comes in our lives. And we begin to be free from ourselves. So many people are in the church and they are still addicted to this world, still running after this world. That's their focus. That's what they think about all the time. It's from day to day and still no more fulfilled than they've ever been their whole life, even though they're in church. And God's like, let go of that stuff. I'll bless you if you put the kingdom of God first. Seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness first. And all these other things, these blessings will follow you. Follow you, amen. Ask for them. Pray for what you need. Pray for even desires you have. Bring them before God. But make pursuing God and His kingdom and His kingdom work and Thy will be done. Thy kingdom come in this earth more than any other thing. And God says, if you will do that, I will bless you. But this church in America, we focus way too much on the I will bless you. Again, God wants to bless us. I like to know God wants to bless me. I don't want to think God wants to curse me, that God loves for me to be in poverty, that God wants me to be sick. No, He wants to bless me. But it's important that we understand that we are to put Him first. Amen. The big trouble with Israel, when they'd start putting God first, then God start blessing them. Then guess what? He says, you, you get blessed and guess what you do then? You start running after all your blessings and you forget all about me. And so he'd allow them to be blessed for a while. He'd allow them to increase 
even though they forgot him. But boop, judgment day would happen sometime because God loves them. God loved them, right? And he's like, I got to turn you around. You served me, I blessed you, and then you ran away. I got to turn you around. Why does he do that? Because he loves people. Because he wants to turn people around. One of the crazy, some of the crazy scriptures are when Paul says things like, and he says it at least two times, I think maybe three times, I turned so-and-so over to Satan. Now, don't you try that, by the way. Don't you go in your prayer closet and go, God, I give so-and-so to Satan today. You're probably the one that needs help, not that person, right? But he goes, I turned them over so that they might be saved, so their soul might be saved. It's like, Lord, let, let them be dealt with so that they'll be free from, from their, what, what they've given into. You, know, you see what I'm saying? I don't know why I got into that, but I bet you somebody needed to hear that. Okay? So getting back to this thing about the Holy Spirit, as we are ready before God, as we are cleansed out, as we are a radical group, I am telling you something, and you cry out to God, you've given your heart to the Lord completely, are, are you His? Are you living for Him? Is He first in your life? Let me tell you something. You ask God for the Holy Spirit. Ask Him every day. Believe God for more and you will not be disappointed. Amen? Amen. Jesus says this, excuse me, Paul said this, be filled with the Holy Spirit. He's telling you to do it. That sounds funny. Well, what does any tell God? Because it's your responsibility to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Do y'all see what I'm saying? It's already a promise. It's already a promise. You can take advantage of it. It's your responsibility. Do y'all see that? Are y'all so quiet? Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And Jesus says this. We saw this last week. The Father will give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. He's been talking about asking, seeking, and knocking. And the ing is actually more literally what the word is there. It's continual. Asking, seeking, knocking, asking, seeking, knocking. And there's a story that's given that, that idea behind it. And he says, how much more will the Father give the Spirit to those who ask? Is he talking about the Spirit when you get saved? No. Because you don't have to ask for that, so to speak. You have say, you, if you're saved, there's a measure of the Spirit there, right? But he's talking about something beyond that. He must be. And he says, continually be filled. That's what Paul says. And Jesus says, if you ask, you'll get it. If you ask, God will, God will bless you. Remember what, G, what Peter said? Jesus has called this Holy Spirit dimension, this power dimension, this experience. He said, this is the promise of the Father. And then Peter goes, this promise is for you too. Y'all remember that? And um, I just, I know we've been going through this, but I hope in the last few weeks, you've been asking God, you've been seeking, you've been desiring more of the Holy Spirit because those are the keys to receiving more. Don't just think, oh, well, I don't need anything. Well, have you been asking, desiring, and seeking? Uh, Where's your attitude with this? Are, are, you, are you getting hungry for God? Do you want more of God? Man, do you, want, do you want to have a greater connection with God? It's there for you if you want it. Amen? Amen. God's not going to bring you into a deeper relationship if you don't want it. You're going to have to respond. He might be pulling you, but you have to respond to it. You see? You got to give up attitudes and things that are just fighting with your mind, you know, pulling you away from it. And you got to be willing to say, God, I want more of you. I told y'all the story last week about Max Lucado, or however you pronounce his name, Lucado, Lucado. Most everybody else thinks says Lucado. You know, he's this, he's this mainline denominational kind of guy that preaches in this church that they don't talk about the things of the Holy Spirit, really, you know, or get into this kind of stuff. And so uh, after, he's 64 years old, three years ago, he was praying and he said, this, this verse popped out to my mind where it says, earnestly desire the, holy, the gifts of the Spirit. He said, you know, I, that was just, I needed to pray that. So he, he said, I prayed that for two or three weeks. How do you pray a verse? 
You get into it, and I hope all of you are learning to pray the Bible. You get a verse like that, earnestly desire the Holy Spirit, and you go, hmm, I don't desire, but the Bible says to. So you, you, you focused on that. Okay, God, today I set my heart on desiring the things of the Holy Spirit. I set my heart on desiring the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Lord, and not only that, I'm asking you for it. I'm asking you, God, give me, I pray for the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I pray the Holy Spirit would be in my life. He said, I didn't really do anything different, except I was just praying that verse. I was praying that prayer. And he said, one morning in my prayers, I began to pray in tongues. And now he says this openly. And I tell you, in the denomination he's in, you got to be pretty bold to be able to say that in front of everybody. I could just imagine it. All the church members like, what are you saying, Pastor? We don't like that. We don't like you saying, you know what? I have to say what my experience is. It happened to me. Amen. Even though I'm, and he's, he's written multitudes of books that are, he's well respected. And I just think it's an amazing thing. And I want to say what he's done for him, he'll do for you. Amen. Doesn't matter how old you are. Doesn't matter how long you've been serving the Lord. God will give you more if you ask for it. If you ask for it. Amen. Amen. That's an encouraging thing. Amen. I remember when I, when I got, when I began to experience this stuff, I saw miracles in college, I experienced a miracle and I began to realize all this spiritual stuff is real. This stuff I was been programmed to not believe my whole life in church and stuff like that. And I remember going in my dorm room and I mean my, my hallway. Um, I think I, I was in the uh, oldest dorm in the oldest university in, uh, in America. <laughs> anyway, I, I go and uh, as I was, as I was telling these other people, some of the people got will, will get upset. It's because I made them feel bad because I got so excited for God. I was like, I, I could, it was just amazing. Like I found a treasure. And other Christians who weren't really excited about God at, weeks later started saying like, one guy said, could you please not talk about God so much? You're making my roommate feel bad because he doesn't feel like he's very excited about God. And anyway, I'm just, I'm just saying... There's more for you too if you want it. You see what I mean? It's not like somebody's got something, you can't have it. It's for every, every single one of us, amen? Every single one of us. Now, we're going to learn today from Acts chapter 8. Um, Acts chapter 8, which is a great verse here. Um, this, is, this is some Acts. These were the Acts, A-C-T-S, of the early church. The Acts of the Apostles. Um, so you look in, look in this, at this. Um, we'll start here with verse 5 of chapter 8 in Acts. I hope you have your Bibles or uh, get your whatever you need to, to read this, your phone out. That's so funny. I hope you have your phones and your Bible app that you can access easily. Verse 5, then Philip, Philip, went down to the city of Samaria, and he preached Christ. Philip goes to Samaria, preaches Christ. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing what? The miracles which he did. So he's preaching and he's doing miracles there in Samaria. And it says, for unclean spirits. What are unclean spirits? Unclean spirits are demons. Sometimes the word will be translated devils. Okay? Um, for unclean spirits, crying out with a loud voice. Man, have you ever seen that happen in church? And I just wonder why not. Do demons not exist anymore? Do people still need to get set free from demons? Absolutely. Why don't, why don't we ever see them cry? I think they're supposed to. I think... Actually, somebody told me they saw a demon come out of somebody in a church service like a week ago. They just said it just scared them. <laughs> you know, never seen that before. Praise God, God's beginning to move again, amen. But anyway, unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of who? Many that were possessed. Some would say that word possessed probably isn't the right word because it makes you feel the, the, the idea that we think when we read that word is they're absolutely controlled. And a better word might be oppressed. Oppressed. They were oppressed by the devil. And many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. Man, this is phenomenal. I just want you to think what happens here. 
This man starts preaching. After he starts preaching, what happens? Miracles happen. Sick people get healed. Lame people. What are lame people? It doesn't mean like the way we tell somebody, you're lame, right? He means they couldn't walk. These are crippled people getting up. Miracles are happening. Amen? And then it goes, and there was great joy in that city. Now I want to just examine just a couple of thoughts here. I want y'all to connect with me on this. Um, Think about this. First of all, why did these miracles happen through Philip? Okay? Um, If you look back at Acts 6, I mean, we might want to look at some things here, but you look back at Acts 6, and it says um, there was a group of, there was a need, and actually, just to make it short, somebody needed to wait on tables and serve food to the needy. And the disciples had that weight and pressure put on them. And the disciples go, wait a minute. We're not going to do that. We've got to spend time in the Word and prayer. And then what he, said, what he says is, find for yourself men who are of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit, wisdom, who, who can do this business. But we're going to stay in, in prayer and the Word. Now, just to make a long story short, Philip was one of those men that were chosen. So what's Philip chosen for? Well, first of all, let me back up here. We see about Philip, he had a good reputation because he says, choose men with a good reputation and full full of the Holy Spirit. Full of the Holy Spirit. Now, I want you to think about that for a minute. Do you ever think of people in church going, man, that guy's full of the Holy Spirit? They thought of it in terms like that. How do you, what do you think it's like, how do you think you act when you're full of the Holy Spirit. Do y'all see what I'm saying? They're like, pick somebody that is obvious that they're full of the Holy Spirit. Now, a religious person would go, well, y'all have the Holy Spirit. You see what I'm saying? He goes, no, you pick somebody, it's obvious, they're full of the Holy Spirit. They're bubbling full of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's on them. So we know about Philip, he's got a good reputation. He's a man of integrity. He's a man of his word. He doesn't lie, cheat, steal, compromise. He, he's a good man. He's laid his life down before God. But we know beyond that, he's full of the Holy Ghost. These are two things we know already, amen? What else do we know about him? He's a deacon. That's what he's chosen for, to serve. Now, churches appoint deacons for something very different than what's in the Bible. What is a deacon? It's somebody appointed to serve. What were these deacons doing? Serving tables. That's what they were doing. Now you notice Philip didn't go, oh, I'm too big for that. (laughs) Serving tables? This is an interesting thing, right? There's a verse in 1 Timothy 3.13 and think of deacons the way that I just described them. Now when I grew up, Deacons are the ones that sit on the front row in the church, right? And they're going to come in order, and they even run the church. I mean, in every way, they're going to tell you what to do. I mean, that is not what was in the Bible. Um, Anyway, so here the deacons were servants appointed of God, and that was actually a place in the body of Christ to serve. Y'all see what I'm saying? What an amazing thing. And look what it says in 1 Timothy 3.13 and see if you can apply it to Philip in any way in his serving the Holy Spirit being upon him and his being of a good reputation. 1 Timothy 3.13 Those who serve as deacons obtain for themselves a good standing before God and great boldness in the faith boldness in the faith that's in Christ Jesus. Is it possible in any way that this gift is connected to his servant heart that was willing to do even the most lowly things in the kingdom of God so that the kingdom of God might advance? I believe absolutely it was connected. 
Amen? And I just would say, look at that verse right there. If you want to be blessed, if you want God to promote you in the things of God, be willing to serve and be faithful in the little tiny thing you are doing for God, whether anybody sees it or not. Be faithful, be honorable, be excellent in it. And God sees every little thing you do. Every little thing. It's the key. And doesn't the Bible say, if you're faithful in the little, then I will give you much. Amen? Now, I just want to say this. You being faithful doesn't mean you're going to have a ministry of miracles. But God is going to do what He says. He's going to give you great boldness in the faith. You're, you're kind, if you're doing this unto the Lord and not just you know, for some other reason, um, God's going to bless you. Now, what else did he have? I would say he has a gift. Philip has a gift to do what he's doing. Do you realize Philip was not an apostle? Philip was not one of the 11 or the 12th one that was added back. He wasn't. He was a serving deacon. He served in the church. He was full of the Holy Spirit. And he goes somewhere and he's preaching. And guess what's happening? A gift is being ignited in his life. Amen? Now, everybody that has the Holy Spirit, and I'm not just talking about salvation. I'm talking about you've been endued, you've been, you've received something in prayer. You've received something because you've been asking and receiving and you're full of the Holy Spirit. There are gifts that you have individually. We all are called to have spiritual gifts, which are gifts that we just can't do in and of ourselves. Philip, being filled with the Holy Spirit, can do some things of himself when he's serving tables. He's out there moving tables. He's out there bringing the food. He's organizing. He's keeping people from arguing in the line. You, you see... So these are natural things it looks like he's doing. But then there's other things, spiritual gifts, we call them, that are not natural. You can only do those by the power of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says we're all supposed to have something spiritual to give out. Man, I just love that, don't you? Every single one of us has something. We have a call, a something we're supposed to flow in. And I believe God wants us to stir that up. Now, let me just read this verse. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7 says this. Now to each one, what does each one mean? He specifically says each one, everybody. To each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit. What does it mean, manifestation? You see it. It comes out. The Spirit shows Himself. Think about this. To each one is given a way the Spirit shows Himself supernaturally for the common good. What does it mean to say the common good? That means God anoints you, gives you a gift, not for you, not for you to be glorified, not for you to say I'm great, but for you to give to others. It's what He gives you supernaturally is for the common good. It's everybody, amen? And who gets those? Each one, right? Now, um, it mentions a few after that, and I'll just, I'll just mention a few, but He gives some examples. Um, the gift of faith. You might, well, I have faith. No, it's talking about the gift of faith. Something beyond just having faith to be saved. The gift of faith. Um, I'll just give you a quick example of what I think is a great example of this working even in the Old Testament once is where, you remember Joshua was fighting? How is it that he has faith to tell the sun to stand still? Is that not crazy? Now, if you're there with Joshua that day, would you look at Joshua and say, Joshua, you're crazy. Do you know what I mean? You know, 
Let me back up for those of you that don't know that story. They were in a battle one day and the sun was going down. And so Joshua looked at the sun and said, sun, stand still. And it said, the sun stood still. Can any of us go do that? No. But what did he do? How did he know to do that? Faith rose up in him and he did something that was absolutely crazy and it was of God. Do y'all see what I'm saying? That was a gift, the gift of faith. And who did the faith, gift of faith work in? A man who'd been pushing through to have faith all the while. They walked through the, do you remember he was one of the spies? They were going through watching the giants, these huge guys armed with their armament and everything. And, and uh, they're like seven big nations. And they're going, oh, he's already having to learn and go, I'm going to trust God. I'm going to believe God. You see what I'm saying? So I just want to say, look at, look at how this works. We press through for faith. We all have to do that. We all, go, we all need to do that. But for the greater need, for something that God wants to do, sometimes in a special thing, there, there's that gift of faith that God stirs up in somebody to believe God for something absolutely beyond the bounds of what you would normally believe would happen. And you see people that have believed God throughout history and they've done certain things. I believe often that's the gift of faith. God gave them a supernatural grace to step out and to believe Him for something that most people wouldn't believe for. Are y'all with me? And is it for themselves? No, it's for the common good. He said, son, son stand still. Boop, it's for everybody there to finish the battle. Are y'all see what I'm saying? What if He hadn't done that that day? Sun would have gone down. Battle would have been over early. That gift of faith was needed, you see. Now, when I'm saying this, maybe some of y'all will get stirred up and, and God will begin to teach you some things about faith, right? You need to press in and have faith with whatever you're walking through in life. But remember, beyond that, God will give you supernatural faith for things you go, I don't even know how I believe God for that. I don't know why I just knew that was going to happen. I just knew I had to step out. You, you see, those two work together. I, I'll mention some others. I didn't mean to get off that long. Gift of miracles. That's one of the things mentioned. Isn't that what we see Philip doing? Right? The gift of miracles. Amen. I am looking at you now. See that? The gift of miracles. So, um, and we already saw it. That is gifts of healing. And I believe that, I believe there's plural. So uh, one, one person may have a gift of healing that works in a certain way. I've heard people, uh, and you know, particularly in the charismatic revival, there'd be certain people. It's like every time I pray for somebody that has hearing loss, boom, they're, they're, it gets healed. But I pray for something else. I don't even understand how that works. But it says there are different gifts of healings, right? And there's um, prophecy, gifts of gifts of prophecy, right? It comes on believers, on believers, amen. And there's different measures. The Bible says there's different measures of that gift and it functions in different ways. And uh, I've shared about that a little bit and I'll share more about it because I believe God wants to stir these things up. Why? So that men could be glorified. That's the most crazy thing. And you know what? When men begin to be glorified by the gift that God gives them, that's when the anointing of God's going to start going down and everything's going to start getting polluted. Amen? Now men will always try to glorify people but I'm telling you, if God uses you, you need to learn how to hide sometimes and just always understand God gets the credit for everything. Amen? Because it's, it's all of God. Anything that good happens, it's just from God. Amen? So, all right. Um, and, that, and again, another verse I've been mentioning a lot in these last few weeks is in um, 1 Corinthians 2, 1 through 4, where Paul goes, And I came to you, I determined not to know so much. You know, I realized I feel I know so much. Sometimes I depend on that. I think is what he was saying because he just came out of out of one place, Mars Hill, where he gave this eloquent uh, speech and whatnot, and that's recorded in the Bible. And the, the historians say that was his worst missionary effort. The next place he goes to, he says, "When I came to you, I determined not to know so much." In parentheses, maybe we could add because it didn't work so well the last place I was, and then he says. Because I determined uh, to, to only know Him and to, to see the Holy Spirit manifest in what I do. 
so that your faith wouldn't rest in my arguments, in the wisdom of man, in my knowledge, but in the power of God. Listen, people, this is such a powerful statement. He's saying, I don't want to just reason with you mentally. I don't want to just give you what I, I, have, what I know. I have determined to, to trust in God so that the Spirit would manifest. We've been talking about that word, right? So that the Spirit show forth, so that your faith would be not in my knowledge, not in my wisdom, but in what? You know what the verse says? In the power of God. So that your faith would be in the power of God. I want to just tell you, we need to have these power encounters. We need to qu quit trying to win people through just programs, through neat little things. I'm not saying God doesn't use those things. And, and it's not all about how much we know. It's not about how smart we are. The Pharisees knew the Bible more than anybody, but they didn't know Him. Amen? He's like, know me, and you trust in that power to come forth. He goes... I don't, want your, I don't want to win you over it just in your mind. I want the power of God to come and I want you to go, God's real. God's re this is real. I just love it when that happens. Love it when that happens. And it's such a supernatural thing. It's a supernatural thing. One thing that we don't recognize in America, if you've grown up in the religious situation, you know, you always see things a certain way. I love to see it when somebody who's come from an atheist background, an atheist nation. Here's the gospel. And you know the power of God's there. And, and they go, I believe. You just go, why? That's a crazy thing. You believe in a crazy thing? It's faith. You understand what I'm saying? It's the power of God touched them. And I believe the power of God can come through preaching, but it comes through demonstrations. What was happening when Philip was in there preaching? Miracles were happening. People were, demons were coming out. What would you, what would you think if you're in a church service and you saw some cripples get out of a wheelchair? What would you think? Would, 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 you, would you go, ha? Or would you start going, oh, this is some trick. This is some trick. You understand what I'm saying? What would, what would happen if the person beside you screamed and fell on the floor and something came out of them? Would you run out of the building? Or would you, would you go, wow? Or would you say, does something need to come out of me too? <laughs> you, you, you know what I'm saying? Look, we run away from that environment because there's so many different factions that come against it. We want comfort. We want it all to look nice, you see. But when God begins to move, sometimes it doesn't look nice. Sometimes it doesn't look orderly. You think it looks orderly when somebody screams and flaps around and a demon comes out of them? No, it doesn't. Are, are y'all with me? But we have to go, how much of God do we want? I, want, I, had, I had a relative. I'm not sure he was saved. I hope he was. But he said um, when he was young, he wanted to, to be the pastor of a nice, respectable church. He told me that like the, he had the income level he wanted and the kind of people. And I'm just thinking, because he, he was telling me this after I got saved. He said, he said um, I heard about you. He said, uh, and um, I was, it was at a reunion we had. He says, um, he says, I don't even understand all of that stuff. He said, one time I went to this Earl Roberts crusade and there was this lady with a big goiter and he prayed for her, and it just went away. And he said, I could not figure out how he did that. That's the way he said it. And I'm going, oh, really? Well, God did that. And, but he was still unbelieving. It's just an amazing thing. And he goes, and then I went, I, I went to these, back then, they had to go through this exam or whatever and had to be interviewed before you could um, go, to learn, to practice, to go to school to, to learn what you need to learn to be a pastor back then, right? He said, so I went to be interviewed and they said, I didn't have what I needed, which was something like a call or a vision or something. So I'm going, of course you don't. You just want an occupation. You want a nice religious situation that's nice, right? And I believe today is like, God's like interviewing us. How much do you want of me? How much do you want? Do you want the power of God? Do you want the masses to be saved? 
Do you want people to be healed and set free? Praise God. I'll tell you, there are a lot of people that need to be healed and set free. I fully believe that. Um, and I think there's something so, so powerful in this. I was going to mention some other gifts that I've, I've got all wrapped up in this, but I just want to just say this because our time's coming close to ending. There is a generation that we live in that needs demons to come out of them. If they came out of this generation, they definitely need to come out of this generation. People don't know who they are. They're men. They don't even understand. They're women. They feel like women. That's something on the inside of them, driving them, pushing them, influencing them, making them something they're not. Can you not see that? It changes their mannerisms. It changes their thoughts. It drives them. It gives impulses and thoughts to people. You don't think these things are spiritual? Yes, they're spiritual. And we need to believe God because God wants to set people free. So many people get into things not even knowing. In our culture, from the leadership on down from this whole country, supports these things, emphasizes these things, undergirds these things, and tries to make everybody feel like you're crazy if you don't believe these things. Let me tell you, that is a demonized world, a demonized nation in that area and many more that God wants to set free. And anytime you open up the door to the devil, he comes right on in. And so many people have given up and given in to the devil unwittingly because people have started telling them, maybe you need to experiment with this. And the demons aren't just in that. You can have a demon of depression, a demon of lust that is, is so to speak, um, more of a natural kind of thing, right? You can have a demon of lust. You can have so many different kinds of forces and things on the inside of you you need to get set free from. And if you're in agreement with it and holding on to that thing, it's just going to stay there. And I can almost guarantee you there are many of you listening today, you need to get set free from something. I've been set free from many things over the course of my life. And I'm so glad for it. It feels amazing when you get set free from something. It's real. Amen? Why'd y'all get so quiet? Huh? You're quiet people? All the quiet people come to church today. You see, and God wants to set people free. You remember the woman that loved Jesus so much, he honored her, and she was the first one that got to, to see him when he rose from the dead. Do you remember who that was? Mary Magdalene, right? And, you know, in that verse... Did I write it down? Oh, in that verse that tells about it, it says this. This is after the resurrection. He appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven demons. Man, that was one devoted woman. If you watch the story, how much she loved him, how much she worshipped him, her heart. I mean, you read that story about Mary Magdalene. I mean, she's probably more connected to Jesus than all the disciples were. And she's the one Jesus cast seven demons out of. Do you hear the story? Do you ever hear the verse? Um, he who's forgiven much loves much. He who's delivered much loves much. Oh God, thank you so much for setting me free. You know, there's a lot of people today. They didn't want to confess it. But deep down, they're wondering, will God set me free from this? Well, I always have to live with these impulses and drives and forces working on the inside of me. Can God help me? And I just want to tell you, God absolutely will help you. I don't understand how all this always happens. If you read through the, the Bible, there's such an interesting thing. The main thing of what I was wanting to get to today, I didn't even get to. But there's so many interesting things about how God's going to show up. It doesn't always happen the same way. People didn't always get filled with the Holy Spirit the same way. But they, it's obvious in Acts 8, Acts 19, and other places, they led people into it. And it was an experience. And I just want to say, you're not, you're not meant to come to Jesus and Jesus is just going to let you sit there in, in your misery, in your issues with the demons that are tormenting you. You know, there's another guy, you remember the guy 
in, in the caves. He, he's cutting himself. The Bible says he had a legion of demons. Do you remember that story? He's, he felt something on the inside of him. He's cutting himself. Why is he cutting himself? He, he's trying to get relief. <sighs> I tell you, there are people wrestling with something on the inside of them that they want to get free from. And I want to declare to you, the Lord Jesus is still the deliverer. He's still the healer. And all of us in the church, we've got to begin to pray more and more and more because in this hour, there is a generation that needs deliverance. They need the demons to come out of them. There are forces and powers driving them. It's even become one with their identity. I am telling you, we need to be serious. If you want to be a help to God, you need to be serious about having the Holy Spirit power in your life and in the church and to be poured out in the earth again. And you need to be begin to believe God to pour out His Spirit in this earth. Amen? Amen. Well, I'll finish this next week, but I just want to encourage you wherever you are. Maybe you've not given your life to the Lord. Maybe you've been wrestling with issues. You know, normally people wrestle with depression. They'll come to God. But I, I just want to share, sometimes people will wrestle with other kinds of issues, like homosexuality. And they'll go, but I feel this so much in me. I don't know how I can turn to God. I just want to encourage you. There's the deep you on the inside that if you want to come to God, trust Him. Turn from that, but trust Him and ask Him to help you and to deliver you. Just like we've been saying, ask God for the Holy Spirit. I want you to begin to learn to ask God to deliver you. Amen? And for all of us, this should be a time of consecration. What a great season to be consecrating our lives to God. God, give me more of you. Lord, if something's not right, I want to get that out. Lord, if I've been focusing too much on me and too little on helping others and too little on the gospel, Lord, get that right. Order my priorities. Help me to put you first and to trust that if I would do that, you're going to make the blessings follow. You'll order things to bless me and take care of me. Whatever difficulties happen in the earth, Lord, I know if I do that, you'll take care of me. And, and for those of you, maybe you're in the church world, and I want to encourage you not only to ask for more of the Holy Spirit, I want to encourage you to be a part of what's happening here, if possible. If you live in some other place, Dallas, San Antonio, Austin, wherever, get up early Sunday morning before, before 10 o'clock and start praying, start worshiping. That's what we do here. Somebody was saying, hey, we're going to start sending out the link so you can do that with us if you want. But, but in any, any event, uh, start praying. Start asking God to, to pour out His Spirit on those days, to be in our midst. If you're going, maybe you can start hosting a group on your house Sunday morning. Start asking God that He'll begin to pour out. Begin to ask other people that don't know Him to come and watch service with you. You, you know, maybe you're in another city, right? 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 Say, hey, let's watch church together. Then we'll go out to eat. It's a good way to get things started. Amen. Just, just experiment. Uh, begin to care about where other people are in their lives with God. And just start stepping out. But I want to encourage everybody here. Let's begin to believe God. Let's begin to pray more. You know, and uh, I, I love that we have a group coming and praying Sunday mornings. And you're here early and on time. And I just want to encourage you. Don't take this season lightly. So many people have just, they sort of been so light with God after COVID. Oh, you know, we have it church light, Jesus light, you know. No, we, more than ever, we need to press in because this world needs a breakthrough. This generation needs help, needs deliverance, needs freedom like it's never been. So God's, God's getting ready to pour out. And this is what I believe. I'll just end with this. Remind me to end with this if I keep going, right? Um, uh, you know, I believe fully God's getting ready to pour out His Spirit. I, I absolutely do. I believe it's going to, it's probably going to be, be bigger than anything I've ever seen in all my days. And I believe that the need is bigger than we've ever seen all my days. Amen? It's going to be amazing. How's God going to set those people free? There's going to be an outpouring. It's going to be like a tidal wave. And it's going to be amazing. And anybody that wants to jump in is going to jump in at Amen. 
There might be some screaming going on in church. There might be some people, go, who knows? But you know what? Just go, I don't understand this, but I don't care. If it's God, I just want it. Amen. 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 Father, we want to thank you, Lord God, for the power of God. We thank you, Lord, for the Holy Spirit. Lord, we thank you that even though it might seem like a spirit of calm, it doesn't seem like you're doing very much. Oh, Lord, we sense, we sense that little thing. It's like Elijah seeing that little cloud. Something is coming and the rain is getting ready to pour out. Lord, it's right in front of us. So God, today we connect with you. God, we ask you, empower us, help us. Father, for those that are wrestling with coming to you, God, give them extra grace today that they might be saved, that they would put their trust in you, that they would step out of their living uh, of for themselves and, and be reconciled with you today completely. God, I ask you this now, and if that's you, I'm just saying, just be honest with God and just surrender that to God today. So Lord, we thank you for this hour. We thank you for what you're doing. Lord, we're just positioning ourselves for these amazing days that are in front of us. Lord, our times are in your hands. We thank you, God, for bringing us into the glory that you got prepared in your final hour. In Jesus' name, amen.